Hey everybody, it's Richard. Frank and I are going to be breaking down UFC 215, previewing, if you will, the main card of the big pay-per-view this weekend, featuring a pair of UFC title fights. That is after I remind you that this podcast, Phone Booth Fighting, is brought to you by Low Team Nation. The guys over at Low Team Nation, a couple of good podcast subscribers just like yourselves, and they are providing an invaluable service to, from what I understand, talking to them more and more of our listeners every week. LowTNation.com is the website. To find out more about the plague, the damnable plague of low testosterone, and whether or not you are, are a candidate for treatment. Uh, what you're going to do is go to lowtnation.com. You can either contact them electronically or you can call the number there at the website. Either way, you're going to get in touch with uh, Brandon or uh, one of his capable assistants over there, and they're going to put you in touch with a lab no matter where you live throughout the United States that can uh, run some quick tests on you. And honestly, that's the only real effort, the only trip outside your house you're going to have to make because once you do that, the lab, resor the, uh, lab results rather get submitted to Low T Nation. They take it from there. If you're a candidate for treatment, they will drop ship the uh, supplies to you right to your front door. And uh, if you find yourself lacking in energy, just not quite as much get up and go as you used to have when you're younger, maybe you're getting into your 40s now, maybe even beyond, and uh, that describes a lot of guys out there, certainly a lot of our listeners. And if that's the case, it's certainly worth checking your levels just to see if there's any issue with low testosterone. You hear Frank talk about it all the time, and uh, I know he would want me to echo those sentiments and tell uh, you guys to head to lowtnation.com and uh, give him a call. Get in touch with him and see if you are a candidate. Uh, Brandon will uh, be happy to field your phone call. Like I said, I talked to him and uh, hear that more and more of you guys are contacting him on a weekly basis. So hit him up. Let him know that uh, myself and Frank sent you guys over there. And uh, if you're like a growing number of our listeners, then you too will be on board with Low T Nation and you'll feel better for it. LowTNation.com. This podcast also brought to you by Earth's Brew, plant-based nirvana, relaxation fusing the best of all worlds, health, taste, efficacy, and experience. And I'll tell you what, I uh, am on my way home from the brothel, as I do, and uh, later on this evening, I can tell you one thing I'm going to be doing for sure, and that's enjoying some Earth's Brew a little powder packet mixed up in a glass of water, non-alcoholic, 100% plant-based, and absolutely 100% relaxing. So it's good for a non-drinking vegan like me, or it's uh, good for a hard-drinking heathen like you. Either way, Earth's Brew uh, is an important way to enhance your day. Frank and I tell you guys about uh, its effects, how we enjoy using it after jujitsu training. That's definitely uh, the right time for a packet of Earth's Brew. Go to earthsbrew.com to find out more information, find out what's in it. Also, uh, just as importantly, what's not in it, like a bunch of chemicals and preservatives and addictive substances and things like that. No, no, not Ursa Brew, 100% plant-based uh, and health-based. 
earthbrew.com and how about this a special discount just for phone booth fighting listeners and only for you guys if you enter the promo code phone booth at checkout that's the promo code phone booth you get 10 percent off all orders whatever you're ordering it's 10 percent off if you enter the promo code phone booth earthsbrew.com tell them frank Mir and richard hunter sent you Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody. Twice weekly, absolutely free in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or wherever podcasts are available. The official show website is phoneboothfighting.com. It is there that you find our official show merchandise. You find all of our previously aired and archived episodes. You find our Amazon banner that we uh, really appreciate you clicking through to do your shopping on Amazon, and it uh, doesn't cost you any more, but we get uh, a little percentage uh, kickback on each purchase to help uh, build out the show, myself and the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. And when I say, Frank, build out the show, normally I'm talking about all the bells and whistles we're adding into the studio inside the bunker, deep within the bowels of stately Mir Manor. But today, I'm more specifically referencing our mobile gear, because you're in some admiral's club in an airport and I'm outside a southern Nevada brothel and somehow with the magic of just a microphone and a cell phone, we're able to uh, produce this podcast on the fly. So let's hear it for technology. Yeah, it's a good thing. Otherwise, we'd only be talking to each other about once a month, right, buddy? That's right, because uh, Frank is, is uh, on another world tour headed to a country that ends in Stan. Am I right? Yes, this time I'm going to Almaty, Kazakhstan for the ACB. Hey, I got to ask you real quick. We're going to break down uh, UFC uh, 216 uh, uh, this coming weekend is uh, when that fight card uh, goes down and uh, a couple of twin title fights on the card. Demetrius Johnson defending his belt. Amanda Nunez uh, defending hers as well. But I, I have to ask you, uh, not really speaking of ACB, but uh, uh, Global Fight Night or Fight Night Global over there, another one of those Russian promotions, did you see Diego Brandal jump out of the cage in the middle of his fight over there a week ago? No, I didn't catch that, man. He was, uh, he was fighting a uh, – I, 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 I think it was a Russian guy. I didn't, didn't know much about the guy he was fighting. And I just saw a clip of it. You can you can find it online. But basically what it looked like happened was this. Uh, Diego is in this guy's guard. And Diego, well, Diego's on bottom. So I should say the, the, the Russian is in Diego's guard. And the Russian appears to headbutt Diego in the chest a couple of times. The referee admonishes him for it and basically attempts to stop the action, you know, so he can address right. it. I don't know if he's going to take a point or whatever. Diego up kicks him illegally while the guy's on his knees, hits, ends up hitting him in the throat, and there's there's some attempt at communication there, but Diego's so pissed, he just climbs over the cage and leaves about midway through the second round, ends up getting disqualified. Uh, I in, in, Unless your historian brain can think of an example I couldn't have I think that's the only time I've ever seen that, Frank. It's the only time I've ever heard of that. Yeah. What was that in the fight nights, or where was it at? 
Yeah, it was somewhere over in Russia, I think. It was uh, it was finite global, so I, that I know that for sure. And uh, I'm gonna check that video out now. After you said that, no, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, obviously, the biggest news is you know since we've been back, you know, Connor. That now that I'm home, there's just uh, you know I was trying to catch up with the kids, so I've actually kind of had a little bit of a blinders put onto the the world of MMA. Paying attention more to North Korea, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Well, uh, Diego Brandao had his mind elsewhere. I don't know what was going on with that, but that's that's a guy who's had a few issues in his past. So uh, may, maybe, who knows, maybe we can uh, track him down for phone booth fight and get to the bottom of what happened. Uh, before we do that, though, we've got to talk about UFC 215 this weekend because, Frank, your friend and mine, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, is on the cusp of UFC history. He has already tied Anderson Silva's UFC consecutive title defense record with 11, and with a win over Ray Borg this Saturday night, he will break that record. And as you and I have talked about on the show with with Anderson, not retired, but you know probably doesn't have another tw- doesn't have another title run or let alone another 12 title defenses left in him uh and and nobody even uh anywhere close to being on the heels of mighty mouse with that record i think that's a record that could stand for an awfully long time if he can do it saturday i mean there's really nobody else in their weight class i mean john jones has really put himself above and beyond anybody at 205 but the problem with john that it's happened now is everything that occurs outside of the, uh, the cage. So with those things not being said, Dimitri Johnson is just every bit as much of a fighter in the cage as he has been as far as dominating his fellow man at his weight class. But on top of that, you never have any issues. He's passed every single drug test. He's never in issues. I mean, the worst habit the guy has, maybe if you want to call it a bad habit, is he'll occasionally share a beer at a barbecue with his family. You know what I mean? But the guy is as wholesome as they come, as much as work ethic as anybody I've ever heard of in my life. He's just a, uh, you know, he's a, I mean, shit, the guy just plays video games. I didn't figure out a way to get paid to do that. Yes, I, mean, I, I started just, to say, uh, that's a man. A great martial artist. That's a man after your own heart. A guy who's yeah. figured out to uh, how to monetize his video game addiction. Now, with this opponent, Ray Borg, and I'm, I'm glad that this has worked out for Demetrius this way, because it seems like it was just a month or two ago that you and I were talking about the 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 back and forth that uh dj was having with dana white over dana wanted him to uh fight tj dillashaw and uh uh, demetrius wanted a a proper shot at breaking that flyweight title defense record against an actual ranked flyweight and uh ray borg is certainly that now borg is a guy who has had uh weight issues in the past twice now he has missed weight at uh, the 125-pound limit, and that's in non-title fights where he had the one-pound allowance. This one, he's going to have to hit a t- 125 on the dot. Uh, maybe, maybe asking a heavyweight isn't the best guy uh, to talk to about, you know, the the science of weight cutting. But I know you've been around it long enough to have some inside perspective. What what goes into that in terms of let's say a guy has a bad weight cut or or doesn't make weight at all and so they they have to make the decision about do they still take the fight that sort of thing what advantages can that mean and what disadvantages can it mean if a guy ends up missing weight but still fighting? Well, honestly, I think the first best person to ask this question would be of John McCarthy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's always my resident expert on uh, everything in MMA uh, regulation-wise. And I would just want to make sure that if I was in uh, Demetri Johnson's corner, that if my opponent does miss weight, let's just say Ray Borg, who's missed weight twice before at 125, like you said, with the one-pound allowance, after we're done negotiating everything and we make this fight happen, does it still count as a title defense? You know, because that would be horrible if it's that because of the technicality that this doesn't count towards the momentum and towards the record for uh, for uh, Demetrius if they don't make it an official title fight. Yeah, I, I think the way that I've seen that go down in the past is a lot of times the challenger will forfeit his shot at the title if he were going to win. In other words, if he were going to win the fight, he would maybe not become the champion. But the champion is still recognized for defending the title. I'll tell you an example of this is way back when Travis Luter missed weight against Anderson Silva. That was still a middleweight title defense for Silva. Oh, was it? Okay, I thought they only made it three rounds. I thought a better example would have been the, um, wasn't it just Ferguson? No, not Ferguson. Was it uh, Max Holloway when he fought uh, Anthony Pettis? Anthony Pettis was not viable or did not have the ability to win the title. That's right. Had to the fight. So they still made it a five-round fight. But I thought with Anderson Silva, they only made that a three-round fight. No, because Silva was the champion. Right, yeah, he was. I mean, unless back then they could have, unless they elected to have a three-round title fight, but that yeah, was, con- but see, that was considered one of, in fact, that's one of the consecutive title defenses oh, that. Then, then yeah, then you're right. Mighty I Mouse has a, has a shot against, yeah. So I mean, that's been a while back. Well, way of looking at. So I mean, at least on that part. And then after that, it comes down to just negotiations. Uh, 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 you know, obviously they're going to want to make the fight happen, and, and, and honestly, I see that a lot here over the ACB. Um, yeah where guys will miss weight, and so then, you know, camps come in and start negotiating, like, all right, I want 20% of your purse, or I want 50% of your purse, depending on how bad they miss. Um, and then on top of that, we even negotiate point deductions. So sometimes you'll watch some of the fights here at commentator ACB, and you'll see the referee come out and right off the bat pull out a yellow card and display it to one of the fighters, saying that, well, that fighter missed weight, and part of the negotiations was he's already down a point. Yeah. So even if he wins that first round, the best he can do is a draw for the first round, make it a 9-9. Um, and so, uh, you know, so all those things come into consideration, but you don't want to overdo the negotiation aspect of it uh, because then you can talk yourself out of a fight. Which So there's really like a lot of cat and mouse that goes on where you want to gain something out of the situation and put your fighter at an advantage because the other guy, obviously, if he missed weight, he's a little bit bigger. He didn't cut his weight properly the hard way so you don't want to let him off the hook because now he has an advantage so you want to somehow put the ball in your court but you can't just completely just murder the other guy i've seen some cramps over here just ask for some ludicrous you know uh, uh situations where well you can only put four you know three kilos on you know you're to like seven pounds you know by tomorrow's weigh-in you know you can't weigh more than seven pounds over the weight it's like well, what mm-hmm. now we're talking about fighters health and safety and then the commission comes in and goes well you know regardless whether you guys agree to this shit we don't agree to it we're not allowing somebody to go in there under some you know uh, uh par standards and get hurt and so uh you know if bog does miss it it's an opportunity for you know uh, the camps to try to come out there uh, as long as it's within only a pound of a missing it's pretty standard 
10% to 20% of what they're going to take purse-wise. Uh, and then uh, the commissions already have it kind of set up. It's that when it becomes a gross negligence of this, you know, a guy shows up five pounds heavy. Yeah, didn't now, even try. Now, 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 now we're going to get the camps involved and see what we can work out. Well, uh, Borg says he won't have any weight-cutting issues this time around, so so we'll find out uh, Friday morning, but he is going to have to hit 125 pounds on the dot since it is a, a title fight. Now, uh, Mighty Mouse Frank is a massive favorite in this fight. Uh, I saw him at minus 1,000. Uh, Borg put Godzilla across the cage from him. I'm pretty sure he's a massive favorite. Yeah, yeah. Borg is, you know, Borg's a durable fighter. He's never been stopped. Yeah. Uh, he's got that going for him. But you know that 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 being said, um, you know, even even if it looks a little bit like a potential five round decision on paper for for Mighty Mouse, do you you see it going any different way than uh, than it usually does for DJ? No, I mean DJ too. He just. And again, it's sad. Like, I keep wanting to say this, DJ and John. We're really in an era where we're probably seeing two of the best fighters that ever lived. Yeah. But the advantage of John or the DJ is that we don't have any of the drama and any of the the other shit that comes involved with John that, like, just has really, uh, you know, hurt his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Demetrius, man, you just, uh, I mean, as a martial artist right now, if you told me, Frank, we're going to bring you into a camp and you got a coach on how to beat this guy's ass, I'm like, dude, save your money. I don't know how to beat him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how we can sit on paper and we can make a clear-cut plan besides it's somebody who's just, you know, well, if you give me one of the best guys in the world, like it's only a lock, I mean, you know, to, uh, to uh, Dominic Cruz. Well, okay, well, Dominic Cruz, that was seven or eight years ago when he was also at the top of his career, one of the best fighters in the world pound for pound, and he's a weight class above him. You know, I'm like, all right, well, if you give me that set of scenario, maybe we could beat him, but somebody his size no it just doesn't happen yeah and i you know i'm glad just from a historic perspective this has worked out the way it has now maybe borg upsets dj and and uh we we see a different kind of history made saturday night but i'm just glad that we got the chance to see it play out the way that it's playing out that there wasn't some sort of more convoluted situation of a uh you know a uh a, a heavier fighter coming down to meet DJ or DJ having to go up or a catch weight or, you know, some sort of super fight scenario that I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to seeing Mighty Mouse in. But I like to get this little bit of history settled first, especially given the fact, Frank, that it is, it is I think, a, a record that is so cumulative in its chronology and and so difficult to break you know it is as records go this is it seems like a pretty important one and one that you know is only gonna come around maybe with the mma frequency of a solar eclipse absolutely i mean in our lifetime we might never see this again i mean it's the same thing as like when the miami dolphins went undefeated in 1972 when does that happen i mean you've seen it get close the patriots a couple seasons back almost did it but, I mean, there's just certain things that are just incredible. And because there's so many ways to lose in MMA, so many top fighters. I mean, look, Conor McGregor is the biggest draw in MMA. He's not undefeated. He's been submitted before three yeah. different times. It happens. It doesn't mean he's not a great fighter. Even the greatest of fighters lose in our sport because there's just so many ways to lose. And we're pitted against, you know, the best of the best, always facing each other all the time. Not like boxing where... You know, you got a guy who's a champ, but yeah, but who's he ever faced? And separate him away from all the other fighters until it's that one money fight at the end of his career. 
And so, you know, to be a part of something where a guy can go this long undefeated against the level of talent that he has, it's incredible. And, and talking to what you're saying, I'm glad this isn't TJ Dillashaw's fight because I really think that, you know, Demetrius Johnson has put the work in to deserve that this to really be about him if he wins. Whereas I feel like if they would have had the DJ fight, which I think is super interesting. I think that's a good fight for Demetrius in the future as far as wanting to raise his monetary value mm-hmm. to become more like a Conor McGregor where you can sell out. He needs to have a superstar fight. So I think he needs, uh, you know, uh, TJ in the future. But I think it would have overshadowed the, 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 the moment of what this is. Seeing, you know, somebody go this long undefeated, break a record, be a part of it. Like, this historical event needs to be standalone by itself. And then the next fight can be a, you know, a former champ, you know, Bantamweight coming down to face, you know, arguably the best fighter that ever lived. Now, the more competitive of the two title fights that are going to be featured Saturday night on pay-per-view, Frank, uh, is in the women's bantamweight division. The champion, Amanda Nunez, defending uh, in a rematch against Valentina Shevchenko. Now, this is a fight that was originally supposed to happen at UFC 213 back in July, and uh, Nunez pulled out the day of the fight, and uh, that was a pretty significant blow to that card um these two on paper odds makers have it very close in fact uh, shevchenko is a slight a very slight favorite in this fight the first fight uh, resulted in a unanimous decision for nunez but you know here's what we know about nunez frank is that she's she can be very aggressive uh especially early on shevchenko starts a little slow but Nunez has had problems in the past with emptying her gas tank too quickly. Uh, and both of these fighters finish fights. Um, they are, uh, uh, Nunez has uh, uh, finished, uh, what is the number? Um, she She's six of seven of her UFC victories have been in the first round and 13 of her 14 wins have come via stoppage. Shevchenko has had 10 of her 14 career wins come via stoppage as well. So, you know, the fact that these two actually fought to a decision was a, was a little bit unusual for both of them. So uh, in, in a lot of areas, on paper anyway, and, and in the footage that we've seen the first time around, uh, a pretty well-matched fight. But what are your thoughts, uh, you know, especially maybe in regards to Nunez's propensity to step on the gas early and uh, maybe see some cardio issues later on in the fight? Well, I mean, I think she fights according to the type of athlete she is. She's an explosive, high-octane, you know, uh, quick-twitch fiber athlete. She has knockout power. She's explosive. She can submit you quick. But, I mean, she's not a long-distance runner. I mean, and I think that's the thing in our sport. People, again, I, I think I've harped on this many a times on our, our show is, when someone's not as strong as somebody else or doesn't hit as hard as somebody else, we acknowledge that that's genetically predisposed at birth. It's like, well, how hard you can hit, you can improve it, but if you're not a knockout Anthony Johnson, you're probably not going to be able to create yourself into that type of situation. But cardio and, and especially aerobic abilities are the same way, muscular endurance. Some people have an affinity to be better at muscular endurance than others. And Amanda Nunez is a sprinter. If she was a track athlete, she's a 100-meter sprinter. 
you know, she's not going to be running 800 anytime soon, where Shevanko is a very good 800-meter runner. So she can withstand those early rounds, and she still has the ability to, you know, she has a good kick to her. She has the ability to push the issue she has to. But her muscles allow her to continue on. And I think that's why the odds maker are giving her the slight favor, because in their first outing, you know, Amanda Nunez really put it on her early on. But with fading in that third round, and you've seen Shevanko being more of a middle-distance type of fighter, mm-hmm. able to pick up uh, her cadence, and they're thinking, well, if this is a five-round fight. Amanda Nunez, can't, it's not about heart. It's not about, you know, dedication and training. She's only has so much in the gas tank because of she's a power athlete. And that being said, is that if she doesn't get out, she's there, uh, out early, there's always in the chance that, you know, you can withstand it and go on. What about the size difference? Nunez is a bigger 135, uh, and there's actually been some talk from her in the past at some point about, you know, maybe fighting in the women's featherweight division. Shevchenko's been the opposite. Shevchenko uh, could probably actually fight at 125, and now that there is a women's flyweight division, that would certainly be a viable option for her, especially if she were to lose this fight Saturday night and then have two losses on her record uh, against the reigning champion, you know, that proverbial title contender's glass ceiling that we talk about. Do you think that, uh, you know, one fighter maybe being naturally 10 pounds lighter and the other fighter being on the heavier end of that women's bantamweight division could could make a difference for Nunez? Well, I think it also, too, kind of accentuates each other's strengths. Amanda Nunez being a big, powerful athlete, uh, I think having the size advantage would help her out. But at the same time, Shevanko being the lighter, I mean, she's gone against girls with great reach, like Holly Holm, the victory over her, who's a very big uh, phantom weight. So that being said, she's already shown that she could deal with size. And I think the fact that she's a little bit smaller is just an only attribute to the fact that if she gets into deep waters with Amanda Nunez and I'm in Amanda's corner, if this fight goes in the third round, I'm getting nervous. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you, you touched on a second ago. I mean, the fact that this is now a five-round fight, if if there were concerns about uh, your cardio management in a three-round fight, then a five-round fight is uh, is two rounds worse, I guess, yeah. to do the, the but, simple I mean, amount. that's what Amanda has to do is what she does is come out there and try to finish the fight in the first two rounds. Make it to where the fact that it'll never go four or five rounds. She needs to be strong, determined, and, and, and finish the fight early. You know, we, of course, Amanda Nunez was uh, the last person to defeat Ronda Rousey. And with Ronda gone now, Amanda Nunez has closed in on almost every record in the women's bantamweight division. I guess the, the, the one that Ronda's still probably going to have for a while is uh, most submissions. But these numbers. Nunez has the most division victories with seven. She's tied for most stoppages with Ronda at six. She has the second most first-round finishes uh, with six. That's one behind Ronda, who had, who had seven. She's got the most KO victories. I mean, another, another win or two here, Frank, and it kind of amazingly... Uh, the history books are going to mention the name Amanda Nunez a lot more than they're going to mention Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I think she's very quietly just amassed a, uh, you know, a very successful career, but really in the shadow of what was in the last several years is, you know, Ronda Rousey. I mean, pretty much Ronda put the female division on the map. Uh, women's fighting, that was a large thanks to her, whether she ever decides to fight again, what she's done. I think now 
Amanda Nunez has the opportunity to step out of that shadow and showcase that it isn't just the Ronda Rousey show. There's a lot of great fighters out there. And I think, you know, what better way to pass on that torch to Amanda Nunez than basically destroying her in less than a minute. I think she really has, you know, it wasn't like she beat the girl to beat Ronda. She went out there and smashed Ronda Rousey. Rounding out the main card, we've got a welterweight attraction between the always busy Neil Magny and the former light heavyweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, Dos Anjos, Frank, uh, moved up to 170 pounds by defeating Tarek Safadine, won his, his debut up there. Now he's taken on uh, Neil Magny, who fought 10 times between 2014 and 2015. There was a stretch there where it seemed like every other pay-per-view card had Neil Magny's name turning up somewhere on it. And uh, he made a fan out of me with that Hector Lombard fight. Uh, that yeah, that's my favorite fight of his so far. Oh, my God. I mean, God. I'm going to showcase more grit and determination and come back for skill. I mean, that fight was on the verge of being stopped one direction, and he turned it around, and it came back so decisively. Uh, it was extremely impressive to watch. Yeah, Magny's got a, uh, a Cowboy Cerrone-type work ethic to him. He's, uh, he's won 12 fights since 2013, and that's only one behind uh, Cerrone. What, what do you think, uh, you know, with Dos Anjos moving up to welterweight, uh, do you think one fight is always enough to really determine whether that's the right weight class for somebody, especially when they're, uh, you know, competing at, a, at a, maybe a higher level than most? Or is that one of those, uh, you know, incompletes until we really see a, a handful of outings? I think we have to see a few times just because of the level of talent and ability of other guys out there competing, you know. You know, to see how he does, you know, the weight cut was good. You know, obviously he's able to handle that, uh, you know, feeling comfortable moving up, you know, performing. You know, because sometimes the guys don't fight as well when they fight a weight class up because they're used to being a little bit smaller. So all of a sudden now they're carrying extra weight, and yes, they feel better because they didn't cut as much weight, but at the same time, they might not perform because there really is an optimal way that everybody fights it and performs better than I Yeah, it's, um, you know, and and then the, there's, you know, somebody who was in Dos Anjos' position uh, of, of abandoning a weight class where you were pretty recently, uh, you know, a champion uh, until, until he ran into to Eddie Alvarez. Of course, there was the, the almost but not quite fight that never took place between Dos Anjos and, and Conor McGregor. Do you think there's anything mentally uh, to something like that where a fighter who, you know, a fighter decides to leave a weight class, and by leaving it, they do kind of leave a lot on the table. You know, they, they were a champion. They they at one time had a, a big money fight in front of them with uh, McGregor, and you're watching what all he's doing and all that. You think sometimes it's tough for a fighter to leave a weight division when sometimes there, there might be some unfinished business for them back at the old weight? Yeah, it can be. But, I mean, there's so many factors for why guys want to go to a different weight class. Uh, you know, especially in this situation, usually you see guys cut down a weight class. Mm-hmm. You know, because they get an advantage. You know, when a guy has a certain amount of success at a lower weight class and moves up, you know, especially in, like, uh, you know, the sign is, you know, a young guy where it's like, oh, you're still in out. You know, he's still in his late 20s, uh, 30 years old. It's like, well, you know, what factors as far as, you know, moving up? But, I mean, now... I think you're seeing that because there's things like, for example, you know, no ID back. There's a lot of guys that think now that have to change weight classes because of USADA not allowing them to rehydrate with an ID back. 
So they, you know, I think guys tried to do it that way, but found out that they weren't able to be as successful. So they've had to make some readjustments in what weight they fight at. Couple other uh, fights on the uh, main card here to round it out in the 205 division. Alir Latifi is taking on the undefeated Tyson Pedro. And you know, Frank, this light heavyweight division is a division that is kind of in need of of some. I think some some fighters amassing some some momentum uh, in in terms of interest, especially now with uh, what's happened with John Jones. Uh, you know, Rumble Johnson is now retired. And speaking of Rumble, uh, he and uh, Latifi are uh, are the only two fighters in light heavyweight history that have ended two fights in less than a minute. So Latifi has some knockout power. Uh, Pedro, who, who's 6-0, and all of his wins have come by stoppage. So here's a couple of guys that know how to finish fights. And it seems like the, the light heavyweight division could do with uh, with a few more names being on the tips of everybody's tongues. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, you've had it to a basically between Cormier and John. You know, two guys have dominated the division. You know? Gustavo is in there, and I think that he's making a name for himself. You know, and another cry for uh, hopefully the shot at the title, but you know, right now, the way everything's mixed up right now with the situation around with John, um, hopefully the middle of the division can start really, uh, you know, orchestrating and we can see some guys really start to come through that become, you know, uh, you know, names that are recognizable that, you know, garner more interest in the weight class. It's not just the John Jones and Cormier show. Kicking off the main card, and this is kind of a, a an odd situation because, um, You've got Gilbert Melendez uh, returning to action. Seems like forever since we've seen him fight. He's going to be taking on Jeremy Stevens, but both of these guys are in pretty serious need of uh, of a jump start. Melendez is on a three-fight skid. Uh, he's only fought twice since 2014. And Stevens, who has fought the last couple of years at uh, featherweight, coming down from lightweight, is five and five so seems like this is one of those fights that we see ever so often in the ufc where it's like uh the the, the winner is hopefully going to get a little bit of a boost for his career and the loser may have some pretty serious soul searching to do yeah i think that gilbert's more in trouble with that scenario than than, than stevenson is i think stevenson's just you know he's a super exciting fighter he hits hard creates knockouts the guy's a highlight reel in a moment you know, on both sides of it, he usually, you know, wins a highlight real fashion yeah. or he loses that way. So the guy is somebody I don't really see ever being fat unless it becomes a health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes back and forth. He's always in wars. He's a super fun to watch. Uh, Melendez, you know, on the other end, I think sometimes, you know, he's had more speed bumps. His fighting style is not quite as exciting to watch. Uh, so I think really he's the one who's going to really need to have a win come Saturday to keep the conversation going, or he might be looking for a new place to fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, I think, um, kind of tells you a lot about the sport of MMA and, uh, and and the UFC's approach to prioritizing exciting fights. You know, you talk about how Little Heathen is, is one of the most exciting fighters, fight in and fight out. He also, Frank holds the UFC record for most losses in promotion history with 13. And that kind of that kind of drives the point home, doesn't it? That a yeah. fighter who, you know, has more losses than anybody else is also most commonly associated as being one of their more exciting fighters. I mean, I think that kind of explains 
what the winning formula of that promotion has has been about all these years. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, going out there and just, you know, you could be a John Fitch, look what happened to his career. People get rid of him. <laughs> the minute they had an opportunity to cut him, they did. Um, because, you know, if people don't want to watch you fight, who cares how many fights you win? If they're boring, people want to watch exciting fights. They want to watch guys go out there and dominate. And then on the flip side, if you're a guy that's, you know, lived by the sword, by the, by the sword type, who either wins in, you know, uh, highlight fashion or loses, you're probably going to have a job that's entertaining. People want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I always enjoy watching. I'll tell you one thought that's always in the back of my mind, though, when it comes to Jeremy Stevens, Frank. I'm always afraid that Jeremy Stevens is going to randomly be in the audience at one of my stand-up shows, and I'm going to tell that only God can judge me tattoo joke I have. <laughs> I mean, he made a whole back piece out of that thing. So, I don't know. I'll try to make sure you're around for that show, so maybe you can yeah, help uh, sure. m- moderate the discussion in the immediate I'll, aftermath. I'll make sure I explain it very well. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's kind of our uh, – it's an abbreviated show, but Frank's got to get on a plane. We wanted to break down the UFC pay-per-view card uh, this Saturday, and then uh, what we're going to do while Frank's on the road, we'll be hooking up via phone like this. Sometimes we're going to be – on uh, Skype, it's really going to depend on what country you're in. Because you've done enough traveling now, Frank, that you can actually sort of predetermine which countries are going to have the strongest Internet signals. I'm starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kazakhstan's probably not going to be a good one, buddy. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, that's okay. That's okay. We'll we'll come up with, uh, with a workaround, and I'm sure, as always, we'll get a little help from our friends as uh, Ringo Starr and Joe Cocker would say uh, from the MMA community, helping to, to fill us out a little bit. Yeah. Um, thanks to everybody who came out to the uh, – uh, Frank and I did a, uh, a private screening of American Assassin, the new uh, uh, Michael Keaton film. We went to see that last night, and uh, that was pretty cool to see everybody that uh, turned out for that. So thanks to everybody who did that uh, here in Las Vegas with us. We appreciate yeah, no that. Yep. And, uh, Frank, uh, how about a quick word for all of our listeners? I know I mentioned it at the top of the show, but you articulate it so well. Uh, explain to everybody how they can uh, help the show by doing their shopping on Amazon uh, just by clicking through that banner that's at phoneboothfighting.com. Yeah, well, the easiest way to help us out is every time you do your shopping for your needs and necessities, click through the Amazon banner on our website. So that way that Amazon kicks us back a small percentage back towards our show. No extra cost to you, but of a great benefit to us. That's it. And uh, you can do that. You can obviously uh, support our, our fine sponsors like uh, Ursa Brew, like Low T Nation, uh, Real Water, Robert Drysdale, BJJ, uh, that you hear about on the show. And visit phoneboothfighting.com early and often. T-shirts, uh, multiple colors, multiple sh- styles, shipping now and uh, available for you. All right, for Frank Mir, who's uh, on his way overseas, and for me, who's got a go back in and uh, sort out things with the hookers. Uh, I'm Richard Hunter. He's Frank Mir, and we'll see you next time right back here on Phone Booth Fighting.